0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au I just hope this aircon doesn't blow the pages everywhere this morning. Well, it's good to be together, isn't it, on this first Sunday Of the year, and I'm uh, eager to come to God's Word. We're starting a new mini series in the book of Joshua, so I'm keen to get to it. But before I do, I just want to share an amusing story something that happened to me just recently, a couple of weeks ago. I was at home with my two year old Maddie. And we were enjoying each other's company and she was in a little high chair in the kitchen and I was at the kitchen sink washing up trying to be a good husband. And we're having a bit of a conversation and we both noticed at the same time this daddy long legs hanging from the kitchen ceiling. And so I turned to Maddie and I said to her, daddy loves daddy long legs because they're friendly. You know, they eat up the little insects that sometimes come into the house. And then I said to her, do you love daddy long legs and she paused she stopped eating her breakfast and then she said to me very matter-of-factly no i love mummy's legs <laughs> so cute she thought i'd said you know do you love daddy's long legs i'm so i'm so glad you know she didn't say to me daddy uh, uh i don't know whether you've noticed or not but you don't have long legs <laughs> Well, on that cute note, if you've got your Bibles, uh, please open them to the book of Joshua the great book of Joshua, which is the sixth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you finally arrive at Joshua. And as I just mentioned, we're starting a new mini-series, a four-part series in this book, the book of Joshua. And really our aim for the series is, is that it will enable us as a faith community to begin 2018 the way we intend to conclude the year, and that is by being a people, listen, of risky faith who progressively take possession of all that God has in store for us this year and beyond. And so and so this, that's why we're in this book, the book of Joshua, because this book is largely about being on the front foot of faith and not on the back foot of fear. And so we find ourselves this morning in these two really important chapters, chapters three and four, and we're not going to read through them because we'd be here for quite a while, but we're going to dip into each of these chapters just to get a fair appreciation of what's actually happening in these important chapters. so verse 1 of Joshua chapter 3, then we're going to drop drop down to chapter 4. Verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, you, you've got to love the place names of the Bible, and went to the Jordan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> where they camped before crossing over. So they're they're just about to cross into the promised land. And so the rest of chapter 3 is all about that, the Lord's instructions to to enable them to to cross into the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 1 of chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Drop down to verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they'd taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents... What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. A new beginning, a new beginning. Let's let's pray. Father, as we start this new year, I pray that you would bless this word. That you would open our hearts to receive your truth. That Lord, please, would you spare us from the delusion of just being hearers of your word and not doers of it. That's a cancerous thing. And I pray, Lord God, that you by your spirit will open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts to what you have to say to us this morning through your timeless, powerful word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm going to get that turned off because it's blinding me and blinding my pages. So, Thanks, Ben. By the way, didn't Ben do a great job just sharing what what he's doing at Young Life? It was really, really encouraging. And I remember the first day Ben uh, came into this church, set foot in PCC, and it's been so good to see the Lord's work transforming him and giving him a passion for our city and to see him do this incredible ministry in our own backyard. So I encourage you to be prayerful and to consider supporting Ben in this wonderful work that he's doing. Thanks, Ben, for that. That's really good. So the people of God have finally arrived at the border of the promised land. The same promised land they were supposed to enter some 40 years earlier, but failed to because of their sinful negligence, because of their sinful unbelief. And yet because of God's faithful grace to the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this nation get a brand new start, a whole new beginning under this new leader, Joshua, who's been commissioned by God to take this generation, this new generation, into this land flowing with milk milk. And honey. And yet, for this new generation to actually experience all that God had in store for them, they had to actually be the people of God by pushing away the fears and the doubts and the unbelief that had gripped their parents, the previous generation, and instead press into the plans and the promises and purposes for them. The same applies to us as we kick off this new year, church. If we want to experience the wonder and the power of our inheritance in Jesus and all that he has in store for us this year, we too need to be like this new generation on the verge of the promised land by pushing away the things that can hold us captive at times, hold us back, hold us down, and instead press into the things that will help our faith flourish and thrive. And so this is why we're in this book, uh, Joshua, because it's a timely book. It's all about being on the front foot of faith, not on the back foot of fear. And really, this is my hope and my aim as we come to this incredible portion of Scripture, that it will enable us to be this people, a people of worship, not a people of worry this year. People on the front foot of dependence and not on the back foot of uh, disobedience. On, on the front foot of courage and not on the back foot of cowardice. And it's here in these two chapters, Joshua's 3 and 4, that, that God perfectly and helpfully illustrates for us three essentials, three non-negotiables that will help us and I trust inspire us to be this people of faith who flourish, who thrive in 2018. Three essentials. Are you ready? The word of faith, secondly, the walk of faith, and then thirdly, the witness of faith. Each of these in turn. The word of faith, the walk of faith, and the witness of faith. The word of faith. If we're going to be, this year, 2018, a people who experience the wonder of our inheritance in Jesus, then we must be a people of the book, That is, we must be a people of the word, not only heeding the voice of God contained in the word of God, the Bible, but loving the voice of God contained in the word of God, the Bible. You see, the reason why this new generation managed to do what the previous generation had failed to do, namely enter the promised land, was because of one decisive element, dedication to God's voice. That was the big difference. Dedication to the voice of God, to the word of God. This is brought home to us again and again in chapter 3. For example, in the first four uh, verses, the the leaders of Joshua, some of Joshua's kind of right-hand men, they go to the people and they instruct the people to to enter into the Jordan. And what do the people do? Well, they they, they heed the the voice of God placed in the mouths of these leaders. And then in verse 5, Joshua himself, he directly speaks to the people. And he says, okay, you've got to consecrate yourself. You've got to prepare yourself because, you know, it's crunch time tomorrow. You're going to enter the Jordan. And what do the people do? Well, this time they, they obey God's voice, this time placed in the mouth of Joshua. Then in verse 6, Joshua talks to the priests. And he says, okay, this is what God's word is for you. You've got to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to lead the way. You're going to lead the charge. And what do the priests do? Well, again, they obey God's voice placed in the mouth of Joshua. Then in verses 6 and uh, 7 and 8, rather, uh, the Lord directly speaks to Joshua and says, okay, I want you to uh, command the priests to be courageous and wade into the Jordan. And what does Joshua do? Well, he passes on that information, the word of the Lord. He obeys the voice of God. And then in verses 9 through 13, Joshua speaks for a second time to the people and says, okay, Today's the day. We're going to do it. We're going to cross into the promised land. And what do the people do? Well, again, they heed the voice of God placed in the mouth of their leader, Joshua. Listen to what Joshua says in verse 9. He says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And they did listen. Joshua listened. The priests listened. The people at large listened to the voice of God. And this is why they flourished. This is why they succeeded. This is why they progressed and the previous generation failed. This is why the previous generation died tragically in the fly-blown wilderness because they didn't love the voice of God. They didn't heed the voice of God. And the same applies to us as we kick off this new year. If we're going to make progress in our faith, if we're going to thrive, if we're going to grow, if we're going to experience all that God wants us to experience this year, we too must not only heed the voice of God, we must love the voice of God contained in the Word of God, the Bible, because this is what Psalm 1 encourages us to do, right? Yeah, you with me? Psalm 1, the gateway to the Psalms, the book of Psalms. What does it say? It says it's the person. It's the man, it's the woman, it's the youth whose delight is in the Word of God, the voice of the Lord, who will what? Flourish. Flourish like a what? Like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, hands up if you want to be like that tree. Okay, a couple of you, that's great. Uh, we, I trust that, that we all want to be those who flourish this year. I like that tree, strong, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the surroundings were chaotic, you know, maybe the wind was blowing, but the tree in Psalm 1 is still strong, it's still vibrant, still putting out its leaves, it's still fruitful, it's still offering shade, and I want to be that kind of a person, flourishing, growing, thriving in my faith this year. But listen, what's the negative implication? If we as a people don't delight in the Word of God... If we don't love the voice of God contained in the Word of God, then we're not going to be like this flourishing tree in Psalm 1. We're going to be stressed out of our brains because it's only those who delight in the Word and experience because of that the empowering presence of God who thrive. If you don't delight, you're not going to thrive. You will strive. You will battle. You'll be stressed out of your brain. And so this year, 2018, I pray that our attitude and our relationship to the Word of God would be like that of the psalmist in Psalm 119, where he sings, he celebrates, and says, Oh, how I love your Word. I love your voice, Lord. And, and because of that, what did he do? He meditates on it day and night. Why? Because he had to? Because he was forced to by his pastor to delight in the Word? No, no, no. Because he really did delight. In the word of god and made it his daily reflection and daily meditation and so that's my prayer for us this year that we would be a people of the word the word of faith now before we move on to the walk of faith i need to mention one important thing it's one thing knowing that we need to love the voice of god but it's another thing actually loving the voice of god isn't it Who, who's with me All right. it's, it's easy just to, for me to say hey You church, you've got to love the voice of God this year. You've got to delight in the Word. But I I hope you're sitting there saying to yourself, yeah, but how? How? How can I grow in my love of Scripture and love of the Word of God? Well, this is how I believe. We will grow, I will grow, you will grow in delight of the Word when we realise that the Word, the inscripturated Word of God, is mainly about, largely about, ultimately about the Word who became flesh, who died for us. Did you hear that? When we realize that this, the Word, is about the Word, the eternal Son of God, who took on flesh in order to bring us home. And no doubt you know the verse. John 1.14, the Word became what? Flesh, that is a human being, the eternal Son of God became like one of us. Why? He dwelt among, amongst us. Why? Well, amongst other things, to deal a death blow to our sinful tendency and proclivity to ignore and even kick against the Word of God. That's why He came, to deal with that. You see, there was a time in my life, and I'm sure this was true of you as well, when I didn't love the voice of God in the Word of God. I I can't give a rip about the voice of God. Oh, I love my own voice very much, in fact. My own opinions, my own beliefs, my own views. And I also love the voices of others, especially those who affirmed and encouraged my sinful choices and actions. But when I experience the mercy of God, when I came to realize for myself that Jesus was who he actually said he was, namely the Savior God who came to die in my place for my God belittling, God ignoring sins, I fell head over heels in love with the Savior. Loved him. And, and what was the immediate result? I wanted to spend time in his word. Why? Because someone preached from a pulpit that I had to? No, no, no. Because I'd fall in love with Jesus. And I came to see that this book was all about him. And so I'd read the Bible to know about him because he had caused me to delight in him. You know, in the early days, when God saved me, when it was really, really fresh, there were times when I was brought to tears by simply just reading the actual printed name, Jesus, in the New Testament. I was just blown away as I contemplated his great mercy towards me. I pray and I hope that the grace of God is not stale in your life. I pray that the mercy of God is not just a, a theological word to you, that you can recite and you understand, but it's not hitting your heart. My prayer for us 2018 is that the grace of God is that wonderful power that it really is, that touches and transforms and reveals the splendor and the spectacular worth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happened to me. And so when, when, when later in my Christian life, I, I read the New Testament commands, it wasn't like, oh, Jesus, do I have to? Do I have to obey you? You know, come on, man, cut me some slack. No, it was Jesus, you've saved me when I was dead in my sins, hell bound. And now here I am, your son, your child, your younger brother. Oh, I'm going to do your will because I delight in you, you see. And so this is how we can grow in our love and delight of God's word when we realize that it's about Jesus christ it's about him that he is the ultimate joshua yeah he's the ultimate leader that through his death and resurrection brings us into the promised land of forgiveness and wholeness and more than that jesus is our promised land because it's in him where we experience soul rest heart tranquility amen transformation and so i i pray that you would read the the word of god that way through, through the, the lens of the word who became flesh in order to rescue us and take us home to our heavenly father. That's the word of faith. Number two, the walk of faith. Is everyone okay? Yep. Walk of faith. That is, if we're going to experience in 2018 God's empowering, flourishing presence, then we need to be, yes, a people of the word, we need to love the voice of God, but we also need to obey it. That is, we need to be a people of great faith, even risky faith. Let me explain. The crossing of the Jordan would have been a terrifying ordeal, a terrifying experience that demanded, would have demanded of the the nation and the priests, great faith, even risky faith. You see, some commentators believe that the, the Jordan River at this stage because it was the, the flood stage, flood time, would have been anywhere up to one mile wide. Now, that's a wide river. We just suggest that to you. I mean, it's from Paramount yeah, PCC to Prince Alfred Park. All right, yeah, that's 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 quite a long way near the Macca's there in North Power. All right, and, and now imagine this. To, Add to the fact that it would have been a surging river because it was a flood stage. The, the river had overflowed its banks. And here's God saying to the nation, here's God saying to the priests, uh, yeah, I want you to wade through it. <laughs> Who's ever tried to step into a rushing river? Yeah. Well, you probably haven't because it's stupid to do that, right? I mean, as soon as you step in, you, you're a goner. You lose your balance. And before you know it, you're half a mile downstream kind of crying out for, for someone to save you. right? Well, these priests did that. It would have been terrifying. They had to trust God. Okay, God has said it. I believe it. That settles it. And as soon as they stepped in to the water, as soon as their twinkle, twinkle little toes stepped in to the water, God performed the miracle. You see, church, unless we step in, unless we take risks of faith this year, if we exhibit this risky faith, then we are not going to see the miracles because the miracles often follow acts of great dependence and acts of great trust and acts of great faith. It would have been a terrifying ordeal for the nation as well to pass through the waters. Can you imagine that? Like, it, it wouldn't have been a, a lovely stroll through the park. Like, ooh, look at the walled water, the parlors of water that have banked up. Oh, look, look, little Johnny, I can see the little fish in the water. I mean, it would have been terrifying. Just picture it, these walls of water surging. And and here they are having to walk through this this mile wide river. No doubt they had to push away the what ifs, you know, the doubts and the fears, you know, what if. The, The wall just caves in and crushes down upon us. And yet they had to pass through because that's what God had called them to do, commanded them to do. And so they exhibited this great faith. Church, we will not see the miracle this year in our lives, through our lives, if we play it safe. If we play it safe. We will not see anything happen. Mark my words. And maybe 2017 hasn't been marked with the miraculous because you've played it safe. I've played it safe. We've been too cautious, too afraid, too worried about people's opinions, stepping on other people's toes. We just haven't done anything or said anything. And that's probably the reason why we haven't seen God move and act because he demands, he calls us, he commands us to exhibit risky faith. Two more examples from the Old Testament that really hit this point home. Esther is the first example. Some of you would be familiar with the story of Esther, but others you might not be familiar with it. So let me give you a bit of a, a backstory. Esther was a young Jewish lass, and she got married off uh, to the king of Persia, Xerxes. And, and Xerxes was obviously the, the king of Persia, and he had uh, one of his officials, his name was um, Haman. And Haman absolutely hated the Jewish people the Jewish refugees living in the Persian Empire. And so he convinced, he managed to convince Xerxes to exterminate, terminate the whole Jewish population. And Xerxes agreed to it. And yet he didn't know, he didn't realize that his own queen, Esther, was Jewish, And so Mordecai, Esther's uncle, he caught wind of this, the the plot and the, the plan of Haman, and he sends word to Esther and basically begs Esther to go into the presence of the king. But she knew, Esther, that the ancient law stipulated that if you went uninvited into the presence of the king of Persia, you would likely lose your head, unless that was he lifted the golden scepter. And so that was the risk. And yet she knew if she did nothing, if she just played it safe, you know, didn't risk but just kind of run from the situation, her people, her nation would perish. And so she was caught in this dilemma. And so she sends word back to Mordecai and says, okay, tell the people of the nation to pray and to fast. And then she says climactically in verse 16 of of Esther 4, it's the climactic verse, listen, if I perish, I perish. What's that? That's the language of what? Uncertainty. Yes, faith, but risky faith. Because she was uncertain about the outcome of her actions. If I perish, I perish. In other words, she hadn't received a direct word from God. She didn't know that she was going to be spared. She didn't know that her people were were going to be spared by God. And so she took the risk. She didn't run. She didn't play it safe. And she walked into the presence of the the king of Persia, Xerxes. And we know the rest of the story because we've got chapters 5, 6, and 7. We know that she was spared. You see? Risky faith. If we perish, we perish. What about Daniel and his three buddies in Babylon? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. These three young lads, they find themselves in Babylon, not Persia this time, but Babylon. And the king is very narcissistic. He loves himself and he erects this huge statue of himself and he tells his subjects in his kingdom, okay, when you hear the trumpet blast, you've got to bow the knee to it as an act of worship to me. And these three young lads, these Jewish boys, they decide to draw a line in the sand. All right, we've come this far. We've lost our national identity. We've lost many things, but this is one thing we're not gonna lose and that is our faith in this godless place. We're going to draw the line and we're not going to worship the statue. We're not going to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, he hears the most powerful man on the planet at this stage, and he draws these three young boys in. Now, I would have been shaking in my little boots, right? And no doubt you would have been as well. And yet, what did they say to him? I mean, this king is absolutely furious and he threatens them. If you don't bow to knee, you are going to die. And what do they say? Amazing. Talk about risky faith. They say, King Nebuchadnezzar, our noble king, they're very respectful. They say, we just want you to know we're not going to do this. We're not going to drop the knee to you. We're not going to bow the knee. We we believe that God is able to free us and deliver us. And they listen to their words. But even if he doesn't... (gasps) That's language reminiscent of Esther. If we perish, we perish. If I perish, I perish. In other words, they didn't know the outcome of their actions that day, their decision not to bow the knee. They didn't know that, that, that they were going to be spared. They actually thought maybe that they were going to be killed. And yet we know the end of the story. Again, these, these three young guys along with Esther exhibiting risky, great faith depending on God. church again. We need to exhibit like faith. We need to be this way this year and not play it cool and not play it safe because, listen, playing it safe and a life of risky faith are incompatible. They're incompatible. We will not see the breakthrough. We will not see the miracles of God if we stay in our proverbial boats and play it safe, we've got to step on shore of the uncertain seas, the uncertain tides, the uncertain risk, and trust the one who calls us because he's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our dependence this year. Amen? Word of faith, the walk of faith, and if you're still with me, the witness of faith. I know it's challenging, but hey, okay, come on. The witness of faith. Just on that last point, just to give you something tangible just before we move on. This year as we take risks, maybe being risky looks like this. Offering to pray for a sick colleague, that can be a little risky. Oh, the workplace, you're not allowed to do well, I know, I'm not saying don't be wise, but take a risk. What about this, inviting your neighbor over for dinner? Yeah, but we've got nothing in common. So? So what? They need Christ. And God has placed you there strategically. So maybe get to know them a bit better. Start a conversation, start a relationship, get to know them. What about inviting someone to the Alpha course? A bit risky. The Alpha course is starting in, in March this year. What about this? Sacrificially giving towards that kingdom cause that God has placed heavy upon your heart. And you've been, enough, you've been putting enough, you've been putting enough. I'm talking about sacrificial giving. I'm not talking about giving out of your surplus. I'm talking about giving where, where you feel the pinch of it, the sting of it. all oh, that hurt financially. And yet you know that's what God wants you to do. Risky faith. What about this one? Lovingly, you're going to love this, maybe not love this one. Lovingly confront your fellow Christian, brother and sister, whose behaviour is sinful and unwise. You know, God calls us as the people of God to be each other's keeper. And when we exhibit that, when we do that, 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 that requires risk. Because, well, you know, when you, when you go to someone and say, oh, by the way, you got a speck in your eye, you know, they can turn around and say, hey, whoa, you're just a log face. You know, you've got a big log in your eye. And get all kind of offended. You know, it's very easy to offend people in our day and age, right? Just look at someone a bit strangely and like, you looked at me oddly, I'm really offended at you. So it can be risky to confront a brother or sister, hey, this, this behaviour is detrimental to you and to others, and God would have you repent of it. That's what we ought to do in the, in the house of faith, right? If we, if we don't, then we're not going to flourish as a people. What about this one? Being risky and standing up for justice in the community standing up for justice in the world. Or this last one, taking steps towards being that overseas missionary that God's called you to be. He's placed it heavy on your heart. And yet through procrastination, you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And yet God wants you to take the plunge. He wants you to step into the water this year. Amen. All right, the witness of faith. The word of faith, the walk of faith, the witness of faith. God has always been into signposts that witness to his acts of deliverance and mercy, always. This is why he has here in Joshua 4, uh, Joshua, uh, get these burly men, these uh, representatives from the 12 tribes, to head back into the Jordan, the riverbed, and, and hurl out, pick up these 12 large stones and, and place them in a pile, so that the future generations, the upcoming generations, would see the stones and say, ah, uh, Mom or, or uncle, what are these doing here? And, and that you know, gave them the perfect opportunity to say, well, they're here because of the Jordan. They're here because of God's miraculous mercy. And of course, this is why the ultimate Joshua, Jesus, gave us the sacrament of communion. So so that amongst other things, we as parents and Arnie's uncle, spiritually speaking, and the broader faith community could teach our little ones, teach the next generation, the significance of the bread and the juice. We do juice here, not wine, but the the significance of the bread and the juice that they point ultimately to God's act, ultimate act of salvation in Christ in the cross. And yet here's the tragic thing. You draw this message to an end. Here's the tragic thing the new generation that followed this this generation who had entered the promised land did not love the voice of God, tragically. And this is spelled out for us tragically in in Judges chapter 2. Judges follows the book of Joshua. And this is what we read in Judges 2 verse 10. Listen to what the author says. He says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, in other words, they they fell off the perch, another generation grew up who knew neither the listen, nor what he had done for Israel. In other words, they didn't have a clue about the meaning of the pile of stones. They'd never been taught. And then, verse 11, this is the outcome. Then the Israelites, this new generation, did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. Now, As I've been reflecting on how this could have happened, how this tragic occurrence took place in the life of the nation, I've come to see three possible reasons or three possible scenarios, and each of these speak powerfully to our own situation here at PCC as we consider the witness of faith, passing on the baton of faith, in other words. Three possible reasons. Scenario number one, the parents... And the aunties and the uncles and the broader faith community failed to teach the little ones. Failed to teach their kids the meaning and the significance of the pile of stones. In other words, they neglected their God-given responsibility as parents and as a faith community to pass on the story of faith, to pass on the story of salvation. That's the first potential reason, possible scenario. The second one is, is the opposite. The parents... The uncles, the aunties, the the, the broader faith community did teach the little ones, the next generation, the meaning and the significance of the stones. But but instead of paying attention, the, the, the younger generation did this. Boring, blah, blah, blinking, blah. I mean, who gives a rip about a pile of stones anyway? I mean, I'd rather be listening to my music. I'd rather be chatting on Snapchat and on Facebook. Who gives a rip about some stones? In other words, this younger generation failed. They neglected their God-given responsibility to listen to their parents and pay attention to their spiritual leaders. And I just want to say this, I want to throw this in this morning. I'm, I'm speaking to you younger ones, and you can determine if that's you or not. You have a responsibility to pay attention to the voice of God that's placed in the mouths of your parents, in the mouths of your spiritual leaders, you know, I'm just saying this as sensitively as I possibly can, as pastorally as I can. It's not a parent thing, this thing we call Christianity. You know, We do this church thing. It's not like, okay, this is, this is what our parents do, the, the older members of the church do, but you know, kind of we're into something else. And, and never, listen to me, this is a warning, but, but as a big brother, I, I'm, I'm lovingly saying this to you. Never, ever, ever fall into the trap of saying, you know what? I'll get serious about Jesus when I get older you might not be given the opportunity. Seize the moment today, this year, in your younger years. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes say. In your younger years, honour your creator. Serve him, love him. In other words, pay attention to his voice. Love his voice. Grow to know his love for you in Jesus, right? Scenario number three. The parents, this is a bit more nuanced, the parents and the aunties and the uncles and the broader faith community did teach their children the meaning of the stones. But listen, because their lives were out of sync with their lips, the younger generation were turned away from the faith. In other words, the younger ones, they saw the hypocrisy of their parents. And they reasoned, well, obviously this can't be a very powerful God, and not with a powerful message, because it hasn't transformed the lives of our parents And so they walked away from the faith. Church, hypocrisy will often turn our kids away. It's not enough for our kids just to hear the talk. They've got to see it lived out in our lives. They they, they need more than just hearing Christ from us. They need to see Christ in us. Not perfection, but a certain direction that honors Christ in our homes and in this broader faith community. Our little ones, you know what? They have this uncanny knack. To gravitate towards hypocrisy. You know why? Because of their own broken, sinful hearts. They gravitate towards it. So, oh, that's hypocrisy. And then the, the enemy gets in and uses that to sow seeds of doubt. And they end up actually walking away most of the time from the faith. They need to see authenticity, they need to see genuine faith lived out in this faith community. Talk about the witness of faith, amen? And so these three possible scenarios, I'm not too sure which one it was, possibly a combination of all three. But the but the, the point I wanna make is that as a church, as a church, um, we need to flourish and thrive, amen, into this year and future years. And that, that means that we must, listen, be a people of authentic faith, who are authentic witnesses to the life of Christ, who pass on faithfully, honestly, lovingly the message of Christ to the next generation. In other words, we need to adopt the posture of the psalmist in Psalm 71 verse 18 where he says these words, listen to this. The psalmist, he says, even when I'm old and gray, I've I've got more grays on my hair these days, I've got three daughters, that's why. Do not forsake me. My God, he says, until, listen to this, do not forsake me until what? Until I declare your power to the next generation. Oh, may that be our prayer. May this be our pursuit. Your mighty acts to all who are to come. His lifelong pursuit is to be our lifelong pursuit as parents, as spiritual parents, as a faith community, passing on this message of hope, the meaning of the bread and the juice to our kids and the future generations. Surely church, as we begin 2018, this ought to be the legacy we want to leave behind. Yeah, for our kids. Not the needless accumulation of possessions. You can earn the whole world, but if you lose your own soul, Jesus said, what profit is that? But instead leaving this legacy of a wondrous saviour, helping them have and develop a robust faith in this beautiful saviour, this one that we adore, the one who commands us, the one who came, the word to rescue us and to bring us back home to God. And so there you have it, the first message in 2018. We need to be a people of the word, the word of faith, loving the voice of God in the ultimate word, Jesus Christ. We need to be a people who live it out, the walk of faith, exhibiting, demonstrating risky faith this year and beyond and not playing it safe. Come on, church, step out of your proverbial boats of security and comfort and safety and playing it safe and trust Christ. And as you do, pass it on Pass it on. Don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on in this faith community. Pass it on to the next generation. Pass it on as we be this people who witness to the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take a stand, church. Father, I pray that you would find our hearts open to you as we stand here, Lord God, in your presence. Father, would you enable us, oh Lord, please enable us by your grace and the power of your spirit to live these things out. I pray, Lord God, if I've said anything of value today, of worth, I ask, oh God, that you would Make those things come alive in your people's hearts. Lord, I've aimed to speak your word, not my own. And so I pray, Lord God, that your word would have its perfect transformative effect. Lord, we want to be a people. Come on, church, don't we? We want to be a people this year. A people who love the voice of God. Because it's about the lover of our souls. We want to be a people who not only hear, 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 but we do, which will mean at times taking steps of faith, having this risky faith, uncertain of what our a- actions will, will bring. And yet we're going to do it because we trust you, Lord God. And who knows, when we take that step of faith, it might not end well for us. We may end up being like John the Baptist, who had his head cut off because of his risky faith and yet Lord Jesus you did not criticize him for a moment for that you commended him for being a mighty prophet a mighty man of God and so Lord God even when we take steps of faith even if it means death or harm to us Lord because you are worthy because it's you who command us Lord we're gonna do it Lord enable us please Lord God empower us to take these steps of faith oh God and help us help us pass on the message Lord to our kids and to those around us so that they may know the wondrous power of God. In your precious name, amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Lord God, thank you. If you'd love prayer for anything this morning, this first Sunday of the year, don't hesitate to come forward. I'd love to stand with you and the elders will do as well and we'll pray with you. Uh, If you need some encouragement, stick around. We'll be encouraging each other over morning tea, so enjoy that on this very cold day. Bless you. Love you.